Thank you for joining us here at Creative Church. We pray today's word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what is given to you. The easiest way to do that is to visit us at creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and for your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, would you stand with me? And uh, we believe in honoring God's word. And um, just so you know, when you stand for the word, it's not, that's not like a, a black church thing or a white church thing. Or a, uh, that's actually biblical uh, to, to stand for the reading of the word. Um, because how many of you believe in God's word? How many of you honor the word of God? And uh, people literally in the Bible would begin to weep as the word of God was read. And uh, I know, I know, there's a hard, uh, it's a hard pivot now for a lot of people. You know, the Bible's like, ah, we got all these translations on my phone. I don't even bring a Bible to church anymore. But, but people in in biblical days, when the word would be read, people would just stand. They would just on instantly stand up, and I'll talk about that another Sunday, but uh, people would literally begin to weep as the word of God was read over them. And so I will encourage you, you know, parents, as we're encouraging kids to bring a Bible to church and every person that gets saved in our church, we give them our creative church Bible. Somebody say amen about that. Uh, but I will encourage you to bring your Bible uh, when you come to church and, um, you know, or turn it on at least, you know, on your, on your phone. But Proverbs chapter Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Proverbs is a book on wisdom. Come on. Anybody need some wisdom? You can read up knowledge, but you cannot read up wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Some of y'all just got knowledge. You got more degrees than a thermometer and, and don't know what to do with the knowledge because you got to have the wisdom in order to apply the knowledge. Praise the Lord. And, um, you know, sometimes when people have to tell you the truth, uh, it might not always be encouraging, but it, but it is wisdom. And you need wisdom to build your life, not encouragement. I'm going to say that again. You need wisdom to build your life, not encouragement. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not Tony Robbins up here today. I didn't come to just encourage you. I came to speak wisdom over you. We get wisdom from the word of God. Amen. Encouragement makes you feel good, but, but wisdom will change your life. Amen. Encouragement can make you feel good, but wisdom will change your direction. Because the will of God is not sent to please you. The will of God is sent to move you into the place that God has you to be. People think the will of God is sent to please you. The will of, how many people want the will of God for their life? Raise your hand if you want the will of God. The will of God sent Jesus to the cross. Jesus said, not my will, but... Yeah? How many people still want the will of God for their life? You know? God is trying to, or God is not trying to just change your feelings. God's actually trying to change your direction. 
and you can't have it both ways. If you want to change your body, you got to go to the gym. And at the gym, your feelings don't matter. It's going to hurt. Come on. And it's going to hurt worse the next day. Right? Why? Because it's there to change you. You can't feel good and change at the same time. So if you're here today and you want to feel good, you're going to be disappointed. If you're here today and you want to change, if you're here today and you want wisdom and you want direction and you want God's purpose for your life, then you're in the right place. But you're not going to be able to have the good feelings and the change at the same time. No more than you can go to the gym and work out and it not hurt. Come on. If you can't say amen, say ouch. And uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. It says, honor the Lord. Everybody say honor. That's a lost art in our society. We live in a world with very little honor. Okay? Honor the Lord with your possessions. With the first fruit. Everybody say first fruit. With the first fruit of, not some, but all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will what? Overflow. overflow. How many people want their life to overflow? Four people. Anybody want, how many of you want your life to overflow? Yes. Overflow. See, you can make your life full, but only God can make your life overflow. When you, you, you talk to success uh, success motivational speakers or financial planners, they're not going to tell you to tithe. They're not going to tell you to give because they're, they're, they're going to try to make your life full, right? But only God can make your life overflow. Overflow is when you start becoming generous, biblical generosity. You have so much that God begins to bless you and your life begins to overflow. Come on. How many of you want to overflow? Now let's go to Malachi. I'm almost done. I got to stand the whole time. All right? You'll be all right. Malachi 3, verse 6. This is the last book of the Old Testament. So before God ended the Old Testament, this is what he wanted you to know. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, you sons of Jacob. From the days of your forefathers have you gone away from my ordinances, which means commandments, and have not kept them. But return unto me, and I would what? Return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, how when should we return? Verse 8, will a man rob God, yet you've robbed me. But you said, how when have we robbed thee? He says, in tithes and... Notice they're different. It's not the same. It's two different things. Tithing is different from an offering, okay? And tithes and offerings. And he says, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye, not give, but what? Bring, bring, bring all the tithe in the storehouse that there might be food in my house. And try me now, prove me now, provoke me now. Depending on your translation, this is where we get the tithe challenge, okay? Provoke me now, prove me now, try me now, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open unto you the windows of heaven... And pour you out such a blessing 
Therefore, you will not have room enough to receive. See what happens? See, there we are again, overflow. Isn't it funny how every time we see tithing, the, the result of tithing is overflow? Blessing, more than enough, right? Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's a good, bless, that's a good promise right there. So he will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor shall your vine cast your fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, saith the Lord of hosts. Father, I thank you for your word. Anoint your word today. Let me minister it with clarity. Give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Give God praise one more time all over the house, all right? Um. You know, people, it's always funny when you, when you, you talk about uh, money and biblical generosity. I told you last week, I said, if you go to the doctor and he touches a part of your body and it hurts, he's going to say, well, we need to look at that because I should be able to touch you here and it not hurt. If we talk about biblical generosity and there's pain, uh, we need to talk about that because you shouldn't feel pain when we talk about biblical generosity. As a believer, you should not feel pain when we talk about giving to Jesus because for God so loved that he that he gave. And so love is manifested in giving. People always say, well, you know, why are you talking about money? Salvation is free. Salvation is free, but it costs Jesus everything. It costs Jesus his body. He died on a cross. Some of you are thankful for the cross, right? The gospel is free, but people died spreading the gospel. Amen. The Bible is free, but there were people who were burned at the stake trying to translate it so you could understand it. People literally were burned at a pole to, because they translated the Bible so that we could understand it and have it in our hands today. But salvation's free, right? Salvation is free, but Jesus gave his life on a cross so that you could have eternal life. Nothing is free. Nothing that is worth living for is free, right? If anything is free, then it's because it's not worth anything. Come on. Anybody want somebody doing brain surgery on you that got the free education, the free? How about we, uh, I think I'd like to have somebody who it's got a little skin in the game, right? Where their heart's in it. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And when you come to church, you know, for free, just so you know, people actually gave their life. People actually gave, in, even in this building, people gave their savings for us to have this. You know, we talk about tithing. People are like, well, I don't want to give 10%. There's people in, here, in this church who give 20, 30, 40% of their income so that you can have a church experience. Praise God for those people. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Praise God for the people that tithe. Praise God for the people that give 10, 20, 30, 40% of their income. That's why we got youth leaders and kids workers. That's why we're, we fed almost 2 million kids throughout the Twin Cities. Thank God for those people who give. Thank God. And uh, they give so you can experience what you're experiencing today. 
People give so that your teenagers can experience what they're experiencing here every Wednesday night. People give so that our kids can experience what they're experiencing right now. Praise the Lord. In order for you to experience what you're experiencing. And nothing of great value is free. Jesus and his disciples, they gave their life for us to be here today. And um, I, I'm honored, you know, to be able to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's the largest organization that God ever let exist on the face of the earth is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is bigger. Come on, the kingdom of God is bigger than Apple. It's bigger than Google. I promise you it is. Right? There's over a billion of us today who got up to lift up the name of Jesus Christ all over the earth of every culture, of every color, and of every tribe, of every ethnicity. The kingdom of God is bigger. And we're blessed to be a part of it today. And um, God's pathway to your heart is through your money. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can't say you love Jesus and don't love his church. How can you love Jesus and not love what Jesus died for? That's like saying I love Pastor Jonathan, but I don't like Pastor Joanne. How can you love me and not love who I love? In fact, the church is Jesus' only mission. It's, that's the only thing he's building. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he knew that we would have a tendency to put our security in money. We'd have a tendency to put our security in there. If, just, if your security is in money, then you will, you will always be insecure. Oh, Jesus. If your security is in money, then money's always gonna make you insecure or you'll always be insecure about money. How many people think we should talk about being born again? Raise your hand if you think we should talk about being born again. Most, most everybody here is going to say, yeah, we should talk about that as a church. Pastor, we'd be okay if you talked about it every Sunday if you mentioned it. Do you know that the Bible only mentions it one time? Jesus only said it one time to a man at 2 a.m. named Nicodemus. Jesus talked more about money than anything else in the entire Bible. That's what he talked more about than anything. Because he knew that we would have a tendency to want to make that our God. That's why he said you cannot serve God and money. If you love money, you're going to despise God. That's why people who have the security of money get mad when, when we talk about it in the kingdom. They get angry. They get really upset about it. You know, it like just rubs them wrong. They're just frustrated every time we talk about it because their, their God is money. You cannot serve God and money. You will love one and hate the other. That's what Jesus said. In the book of Malachi, Malachi means Messenger. And, you know, people always say, well, we talk about money, we talk about giving. Is the problem the Bible didn't say it or is the problem you, didn't, you don't want Jesus to say it? What's the problem? The Bible didn't talk about it or you really don't want Jesus to talk about it? Jesus talks about biblical generosity. And see, tithing is about giving to God's purpose, not your preference. What? Tithing is about giving to God's purpose, not your preference. That's why the Bible says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse or his house that there might be meat in his house. Not, not give to your favorite, not bring, take your tithe to your favorite animal organization. Save the cats, save the dogs, save the whales. That's not the gospel. I'm not saying you can't do it. Do that with an offering, but don't do it with your tithe. 
I watch so many people, and they, they think their tithe is about giving to their preference. It's not about giving to your preference. It's about giving to God's purpose. God's purpose is to advance the kingdom of God. God's purpose is so that people would be saved, that people would not go to hell. That's why it's not about feeding people. Jesus didn't say go in all the world and feed people. And we do it. We do it as a church. We fed almost 2 million this year alone. But that's not the gospel. He didn't say go in all the world and feed people. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because what he's after is making sure people don't go to hell. Making sure people have the gift of eternal life. Come on, amen. amen. Tithing is not about giving to what breaks your heart. Tithing is about giving to what breaks the heart of God. What breaks the heart of God? And it's seen people um, lose their life to sin. Seen people not make it into eternity and spend eternity with him. And money is always a controversial topic when it comes to church, you know, People don't come to church because churches want some money, churches want some money. I'm proud to say I am talking about this today, uh, not because our church needs money. Every single bill in our church is paid. Somebody say amen about that. Every single, our church gave away more money in 2020, even, we had, even though we were in a building program, even though we had to shut down our in-person services, we gave away more money than we had ever given away in the history of our church. Praise the Lord. We accomplished more and did more as a church than we had ever done. Why are you talking about that, Pastor? Because your number one prayer request is saying, I need God to help me in my finances. That's why we're talking about it. And it's the thing Jesus talked more about than anything else. And uh, money's always a controversial topic. People say, well, the church just wants my money. The secular culture attacks churches because the church talks about money. The world's going to attack a church because the church talks about money. And money's the most controversial topic when it comes to people of faith. And let me tell you something. Prosperity is not the gospel. Oh, every time I talk about this, somebody's always like, oh, are you saying prosperity is the gospel? Let me answer the question. I am not. I am not a prosperity preacher. Prosperity is not the gospel. Nor is racial reconciliation. What? <laughs> nor is social justice. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to prosper. The Bible says be, he wants you to prosper and be in good health as your soul does prosper, but you can't preach it everywhere. Go to the prison and preach prosperity. Go to, go to certain parts of our world. Go to Afghanistan and preach prosperity. You can't do it, but you can preach redemption anywhere. You can preach salvation anywhere. You can preach salvation in the prison. You can preach salvation to the most impoverished countries on earth. So if it's not the gospel everywhere, it's not the gospel anywhere. That's the gospel. You're not going all over the world and talking about racial reconciliation and social justice on every plant, every, every nation. They tell you, get out of here. We can focus on that. But you can preach the gospel everywhere. You can preach the cross everywhere. You can preach Jesus everywhere. That is the gospel. 
That's why Paul said, if any man or angel come to you preaching any other gospel except Jesus and him crucified, let them be accursed. Woo! Let's go, baby. I'll whoop you all over this church with scripture. I know my Bible. Do you know yours? And, uh, you know, most people are like, well, I can do whatever the heck I want to do with, with my money. It's my money. I can do whatever the heck I want. My question is, do you really think you can do whatever you want to do with your money? Is that really what you think? Do you really think you can do whatever the heck you want to do with your money and see God bless you, see God promote you, see God open the windows of heaven over your life, and you do whatever you want to do? See, as a Christian, we don't do whatever we want to do. We submit to the plan and the purpose of God's word for our lives. We actually believe the Bible when it says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all that ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. People think, well, I can do whatever I want to do with my money, but somehow God is still going to be my stability. God is still going to be my provider. God's still going to be my savior. He's still going to be my sustenance. And I can do whatever the heck I want to do with my money because he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He's obsessed with me. God does love you. Do you know how many times in the Bible it says God is love? Do you know how many times in the Bible it says God is holy? Over 400 times. You don't hear people talking about God is holy. People want to people camouflage everything in love. You see, people are, we live in a world where they are making love their God. You can make love your God, you see, but, but love is not God. God is love, but love is not God. You can love things that are not godly. Oh, God, help us today. We, we live in a world, you know, you know I'm going to talk about this on a later series, but we, we live in a world right now where people are putting their foundation, their foundation is compassion. Our foundation is not compassion. Our foundation is truth. Truth. You shall know the and the shall set you free, not compassion. That's the whole argument we got with LGBTQ. That's the whole argument we got with all these people who want to make this their gospel. And they camouflage it in the lens of compassion. Well, you're hateful. You're a bigot. You're wicked because you don't accept my lifestyle you don't have compassion. So I'm not going to church because the church is hateful. The church is wicked. The church is mean because they're not compassionate. They're not compassionate. They're not compassionate. They don't care about truth because their, their base, their foundation, their belief system is built on compassion. Our belief system is not built on compassion. Our belief system is built on truth. If you go to court, you want truth. Come on, am I right? You want truth. Real justice is based in truth, not compassion. And that's the whole argument we got. And then the second building block they put on that is love. Well, it's love. It's just love. The church isn't loving. The church isn't loving. The church isn't loving. And it's a whole deceit that the enemy is building on people 
and we're losing young people and teenagers. That's why we started Creative Academy. That's why you got your kids in public school. You better be careful. You better make sure the word of God is them because they're not teaching them that truth is their foundation. They're teaching them compassion for what they're passionate about is their foundation. So you got a boy dressed as a girl and they say, well, you need to be compassionate, be compassionate, be compassionate, be compassionate. You're hateful, be compassionate. Don't matter that that's a boy dressed as a girl. That's truth. And you got people leave the church every week because, oh, we're not compassionate. They say the church isn't compassionate, the church is hateful. No, we're not hateful. We're just telling you the truth. And when you don't, when you don't want to hear the truth, then your argument is you say, well, we're not compassionate because, see, you are believing a lie that says that, that you're, you are, you're going down a faith. It's actually a faith. You're, you're believing a faith system that says, forget truth. Compassion is your foundation. And that's why you've got to know the truth. When it comes to money, when it comes to giving, when it comes to tithing, we have to know the truth in God's word. And either you're building your life on the word of God or you're not. Either you're going to teach your children truth because they're telling, they're telling your children in school, you can be whatever you, 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 you they don't even have to tell you. And now you have young people who are turning against the church and saying, well, the church is hateful, the Bible's hateful, because how, how, you, how you eliminate that is you eliminate truth. That's why we've got to get the word of God down in the hearts of our children. And now our children, see, Satan is demonic. He is so deceitful and wicked. So he took something which is compassion which is love, and he has manipulated it. The same way he does the rainbow, the same way he does everything else, he has manipulated it and tried to make the church and the kingdom and the word of God be hateful, all through the lens of compassion and love. And these, these people, they do not care about truth. They, don't, they do not care what God's word says. And I can read to them out of the word of God, dude, this is what God's word says. We don't care because you're hateful. You're not compassionate. You've got to get the word of God down in your heart. We've got to start honoring the word of God more and more. We've got to honor God. We've got to put God first. And parents, when we don't have this in our heart, when we don't honor God in our heart, that's why the Bible says honor God with the first fruits of all your income. You've got to teach your children to honor God with giving so that God is first in their life. Am I helping anybody? Remember, you either feel good or you, you get your purpose. Can't do both here. There's a lot of pastors, there's a lot of woke pastors out there that just want to make you feel good. They'll just tell you whatever you want to hear. You hear what I'm saying? That's why they don't promote the Bible. They got a big flag, rainbow flag outside their church. Not truth, because what they're trying to say is we're compassionate. Oh, Jesus.
God is just. God is not, it's, it's who he is. And justice has ramifications and consequences. It means that you're held accountable. Galatians 6, uh, verse 7, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man so, 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 so shall he also reap. Don't be fooled. Don't be misled. If you don't like the reaping, change the sowing. No farmer goes out there and says, where's my harvest? Well, did you sow anything? No. I just thought God loved me. Why are your bills not paid? Well, I don't have a job. Well, you got to go get a job. Well, I just thought God loved me. I thought he was just going to pay all my bills. I thought he was compassionate. No, justice means there's ramifications and consequences. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't even eat. And you will always harvest where you plant. You will always, whatever you give yourself to, that will always give itself back to you. Amen? Luke 6.38 says, give and it shall be given unto you. Whatever you give yourself to, that is going to give itself back to you. Give and it... What is it? Whatever you gave. That will give itself back to you. What is it? With good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? Running over. There it is again. Overflow. Everybody say overflow. overflow. Running over. Overflow. Increase. That's always what happens when you give to God. Why is it every time in the Bible when we find the principle of putting God first, we find prosperity? We see blessing. Not just, not, just putting, not just giving God the tenth, but giving God the first. Everybody say the first. first. Giving God the first. Let's look, at, uh, let's look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and the first. Everybody say first fruits. Put it on the screen. Verse 9. Proverbs 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the... Come on, Minnesota. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the, the first, the first fruits of all your increase. That's what Proverbs says. Here it is again. And you'll find overflow. Your vats will be plenty. You'll find overflow. Every time in the Bible, it says it over and over again. When you find the principle of first, you see the principle of overflow, prosperity, blessings come into your life. Let me tell you, it is really dangerous to be out of the will of God and the purpose of God when it comes to money. It's very dangerous, especially in the world we live in and the climate that we live in and the economy that we live in. You want to make sure that you are honoring God with the first fruits of all your increase. Honor the Lord. Honor God. Everybody say honor. And see, we live in a world where people, people have just chosen not to honor God. They've just chosen. The problem is the world has decided that God is not worthy of our honor. The world has decided that God is not worthy to be honored of our time, our effort, our sexuality, our agenda, our identity. We're not going to honor God with that. We're not going to honor God. We're going to be our own God. We're going to do whatever the heck we want to do. We don't care what God's, we don't care. They don't care about God's word. They don't care. They're not honoring God with it. They have decided that we are not going to honor God with our money. We're not going to honor God with our uh, agenda, our identity, our effort, our career, our sexuality. That's how the world has, has decided. The world has decided that God is not worthy enough to be honored with their finances. They're not going to understand giving to God. They're not going to understand biblical generosity. That's why you see on the news all the time, 
tax churches. Churches should be taxed, take their tax-exempt status away. Why? Because they don't believe in honoring God. They don't believe in putting God first. Take the tax-exempt status away because the church is hateful. The church is bigoted. The church is mean because the church will not embrace my lifestyle because I built a faith on compassion, not truth. Praise God, it's such an amazing sermon. I'll just encourage myself. I can do it too, I'm good at it. Like just so you know, I have a lot of self-esteem. Like when I got up in the morning, I looked at the mirror, I was like, you're amazing, you're hot, you're sexy. You can do anything. Like, that's how I got up. (laughs) Tithing is your practical way of expressing God's supremacy over your life. Okay? It places God in his most honorable, highest place. It says, God, I fear you more than anything else. You are worthy of my time, my life, my energy, my future. And the problem is we live in a world that has decided God is not worthy of it. And the secular culture always wants to attack churches when it comes to talking about biblical generosity. And if you're angry about me talking about it, it's because that secular culture has gotten down into your heart and down in your spirit, and you are believing the lies of the media. And this is no, I am not your pastor, and this is not truth to you. CNN or Fox News or whoever you watch or YouTube has become your pastor. And that's why you're so bitter and angry and frustrated when the church talks about money, because you you are serving another God, the God of mammon. And we believe that God is our stability provider, savior, and sustenance. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. And without him, we can do nothing. So you've just got to believe that I just can't do whatever I want to do with my money. It's not just mine. It belongs to God. And when you decide that God is not worthy of your money, you're going to get mad. You're going to get upset. You're going to get an attitude every time the church talks about biblical generosity because you're not putting God first in your life. And when you're not putting God first, see, when you don't put God first, you think you know better how to handle your money than God. God knows how to handle your money better than you do. God knows what you should buy more than you know what you should buy. God knows what you should spend your money on more than you know what you should spend your money on. Some of you are spending money at watching infomercials. You don't need a knife that can cut through a shoe. You don't need, you've never spent money after midnight and it was a good investment. Honor and tithing is a practical expression to prove that God is Lord over my life. And God is always first. He doesn't try to be first. He is first. God is first. And so what happens is when you put God, see, God is always first. You can't make him second or third or fourth. So God is first. God is over here. He is first in your life. Okay, so this is where he lives. This is where he is. He is always first. He's not gonna come into your third and fifth and 28th and 30th and 50th. He's not going there. He is gonna remain first. So if you don't partner your money with his first, then God is not in your money. If you put, well, I'm gonna give 20 bucks today or I'm gonna give $5 or whatever, you know, God's not in that. 
So God's not in your money. So now you have removed God from being a part of your finances because God is not gonna come over into your second and third and fourth place of generosity. He's gonna remain first. That's who he is. So either you partner with him or you do finances apart from him. But if you have the mindset of like, oh, I'm gonna give whatever I wanna give and God's gonna partner with that, he's not partnering with you. He's not involved in your finances. You're doing finances without God. You're working 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours without God and that's why we're cursed. When Malachi says you are cursed with a curse, it's not that God come down and he said, oh, you didn't tithe, you're cursed today. That's not what that means. The curse happened in Genesis. Genesis 3, anybody remember that story? Little guy named Adam. When I see him, I'm gonna hit him in the throat. When I see him, it'll be easy to find. He'll be the only one with no belly button. Genesis 3, verse, look at it, Genesis 3, 17. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat, cursed is the ground. How many people know we live under a curse? Anybody have a garden or, or a yard? What's the one thing that'll grow when nothing else will grow? It's a curse. A part of the curse is that I'm convinced, I don't have any Bible for it, but I'm convinced that all of the good food, all the stuff that's good for us that tastes bad was actually bad for us. And all the bad food that's, that tastes good was actually good for us. And it all got mixed up in the curse. <laughs> Like donuts are actually healthy, but because of the curse, they're not. <laughs> I don't have no Bible on that, so it's just Pastor Jonathan translation. But it says, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, everybody say toil. toil. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat of the herb of the field and by the sweat of your face, by the sweat of your face, by the toil, by the effort, by the, the strain, what you call the frustration. How many people know that you cannot make a dollar on earth without frustration? Can every business owner say amen? You want more money? Guess what you gotta handle more? If they pay you more money, you know why they're paying you more? because they want you to handle more frustration. This is the curse. So what happens is when we don't partner with God, when we don't put God first, our life, our finances are under this curse. When we partner with God, that's why it says in Malachi, go back with me to Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three. Verse eight, it says, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. You say, how in have we robbed thee? He says, in tithes and offerings, you are you are what? Put on the screen. You are, put, on, put up Malachi chapter three, verse nine. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me even this whole nation. You see it? What curse is he talking about? He's talking about the curse in Genesis. When you don't honor God, you're living under that curse. 
When you honor God, God removes that curse from your life and allows you to prosper. He allows the blessings to come into your life, the success to come into your life, the idea, the creativity to come into your life, where all of a sudden you find yourself having the blessings of God without sorrow. The Bible says the blessings of God bringeth no sorrow. How you remove the curse off your finances, how you remove the curse off of your life, how you remove the curse that we had in Genesis is by putting God first in this area of your finances. If you don't do it, then you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. The harder I work, the less money I have. Here I am 40. I have nothing to show for it. Here I am 50. Got nothing to show for it. You've tried everything except God. And when God blesses you, he gives you the ideas, the wisdom, the insight, the creativity. All of a sudden, you've got an idea that changes your life. A business plan, a business strategy. He puts you in touch with the right people at the right time to get the right connection for the right breakthrough that you need in your life. All of that is in God's hands. That's why God says, I will open unto you. Where is it? Verse 10. Bring you all the tithes in the storehouse that there might be meat in my house says the Lord of hosts, and I will open unto you the windows of heaven. When you tithe, it removes the curse and God opens the windows of heaven and pours you out a blessing you will not have room enough to receive, but put him first. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And when we don't tithe, we're trying to twist God into our own idea, our own perception, our own philosophy of how we think God should handle generosity. And where did this start? It started all the way back in Genesis. Look at Genesis again. Genesis chapter 3. I'm almost done with you. Genesis chapter 3. It talks about Cain and Abel in chapter 4. Let's go to chapter 4. If you can't find Genesis, come to the altar. (laughs) Genesis chapter 4. Verse three, it says, in the process of time, put this stuff on the screen for me. In the process of time, Genesis chapter four, verse three. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. So did Cain bring an offering? Put it on the screen if you guys get it. Genesis four, uh, verse three. Cain brought an offering. Did he bring an offering? So when you... um, when you come to church and you just bring an offering, well, I just brought $20, I brought $5, I just brought, I brought a dollar. This, this is what Cain did. Cain brought an offering. Do you see it? But let's go to the next verse. Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of the fat thereof. He brought of the what? The first. Everybody say the first. first. He didn't just bring an offering, he brought the first. Now, we all know the story. God rejected Cain's offering. But he accepted Abel's offering. Why? Because Abel brought the first. God wants to be first. First in your life. Because when you put God first, you say, God, I'm trusting you above everything else. And how can you not want to give to God if you've experienced the love of God? People don't tithe for two reasons. Number one, they've either not experienced the love of God or two, they've experienced the love of God and they have chosen not to repent. 
It's, do I have a, I asked somebody to get me some donuts. Do you guys have those backstage? Can you bring those out for me? There they are. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Come on up here. So come on up here. You come on up here. Right up here. Okay. So these are donuts. Anybody? Don't act like you don't know this logo. <laughs> okay. So what's your name? Jaden. Jaden. So this is Jaden. How old are you? 15. Okay. So he's 15. So Jaden, um, let's just say, I can do a whole bunch of sermon illustrations with donuts, but let's just say <laughs> if, I, uh, if I took this box of donuts and I'm like, hey, Jaden, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Um, Johnny, you come up here. Stand up over here too. Come over here, Jaden. So, okay, you stand here. Johnny, you stand over there. So I go, hey, I love you. You like donuts? Mm-hmm. So I want to give you this whole box of donuts, Okay. So I wanted you to have them, all right? I love you, okay? You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Um, so go over there. Johnny, stop him. Now you ask him, say, hey, can I have a donut? And you're like, no. And I see it, and I'm like, hold on a second, Jaden. I just gave you a dozen donuts, and Johnny's asking you for one donut, and you're not going to give him one donut? How can you not give him a donut? How can you not give him one donut and I gave you 10 donuts? If you, if, how many people think that this is wrong? Like, you don't have to, like, (laughs) you know, it's pretty simple. How many of you, let's just put it as a parent. If you gave one of your kids a box of donuts and sent them into the house and that kid went in the house and one of your other kids said, can I have a donut? And that other kid said no. How many of you, when you went in the house, would correct, would correct this child? What, what would you say to that child? Share, and you're being what? Being self, yeah, see, it's not hard. This is really easy stuff I'm teaching you all today. This is what God is saying. God's like, I gave you 10 donuts, and I'm asking you for one. And you're like, no, if you're the guy who's not tithing, you're the, you're the Jaden who won't share his donuts. Like, this is, this is not hard stuff. You don't need to overcomplicate it. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? Okay. And, and what happens is, thank you, Johnny. You can go. You might get one later. I have another service. Come here, Jaden. You're not done with you. So God will give it to you, Johnny. But um, what happens is, is when you don't put God first... It's, it's not always a quick, see, people can say like, look, I didn't tithe, nothing happened. I didn't tithe this month, nothing happened. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Got over on God this month, right? It's like, but what happens is like, it, it doesn't work like that. Sin doesn't happen like that. Sin doesn't happen like that. It's kind of like, okay, pick a donut. Hold on a second. How much do you weigh? 140. 140? Yeah. Okay, eat, eat, a, eat, eat the donut. So he's eating the donut. Take another bite. Come on, just take another bite, it's okay. Nothing's happening. You see, when you don't, we don't tithe, 
It doesn't work like that. It doesn't like, oh, I, I ate a bite of a donut and I blew up. It's not that one donut. It's, it's, an, it's another donut and another donut and another. It's, oh, I didn't tithe this month and I didn't tithe next month and I didn't tithe. I didn't tithe and didn't tithe. The next thing you know, you look, we're shopping together. We look like the number, number 10 standing up here. But, you know, you got to, it's, it's, it's the little by little by little that all of a sudden you begin to see, okay, now this is beginning to change my life. It's not just the one time. It's, it's like you cut, a, you cut a flower and you're like, oh, this, look, the flower's still good. It still looks beautiful. But people know as soon as you cut it, it's dying because it's been disconnected from the source. Thank you, Jane. Give him a big God bless you. You can have the rest of that donut. I want my band to come to the stage. I'm done. But I want to encourage you in everything that you do, you know, put God first. Put God first. You know, in Genesis 3, the ground was cursed. In Malachi 3, the heavens opened. In Proverbs 3, our life is overflowing. And in John 3.16, Jesus died to give us the gift of eternal life. And I want to encourage all of you to not... If you feel like, man, I'm just toiling, I'm toiling, I'm toiling, I'm toiling. I'm working hard, I'm working hard, I'm not seeing the fruit from it, I'm not seeing the fruit from it. It's because you're, you're working under the curse. And how you remove the curse from your life is by trusting God and putting God first in that area of your life. You know, the greatest gift that you can give Jesus is your life. Let's give him your life because he gave you his life, amen? And it's not just about bringing an offering when it comes to God, it's about putting God first. Put God first in your time. You know, we talk about tithing on money. I mean, God wants the first of everything. Give God the first of your day. Do you know that if you have an idol in your life, or one of the ways to know if you have an idol in your life is to look what you do first in the morning and last at night? Because if you have an idol in your life, it will always want your first and last always. If you struggle with an addiction, it will fight you hardest in morning and last at night. Always. It will come after you because that idol wants that place in your life. It wants to be the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do at night. And that's the place of God. God wants that in your life. So put God first. Trust him. Build a life based on truth, not compassion. Come on. Truth. Truth. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. You know, Proverbs also says that whoever speaks first in court sounds truthful until cross-examined. Once you examine it through the power of the cross, you find this isn't truth. What they're saying isn't true. That's a lie. If my three-year-old can look up and go, this, and it's, and it's not, and here's the thing. The fight isn't against that person or anybody who's struggling. Because here's the thing. Every single person in this room is sexually broken. 
Every single person in here is sexually broken. And we all need healing. All of us need healing. Every single person. If you look at pornography, you're sexually broken. Adultery is sexually broken. Premarital sex is sexually. All of us are lusting after somebody and you're, and you're, and you're, you're married and you're lusting after another person. That you're sexually broken. You just got to get healed. All of us are sexually broken. But I can't go, well, I've got a passion for this so or an attraction. So I'm married to Pastor Joanne. If I look at another woman and go, oh, I'm attracted to this woman, I can't say, well, you know, hey, Joanne, I have an attraction here, so I got to go with my attraction. I'm attracted. What do you mean? God made me to want to, I'm attracted to another woman. God must have, why would I be attracted if God didn't make me, this must be God. God made me attracted to this other woman. So, you know, I thought I was just going to love you, but I actually want to love multiple women now because I have a, I have an attraction. And I can honestly have an attraction and be married to Joanne. I can have an attraction for another woman. And you know what I have to say? I have to say, you know what, but God's word is true. And God's word says I can't do that. God's word says, look, you have to submit that attraction to God. And as much as I may be attracted to somebody else, I have to submit that attraction and say, I'm going to have one wife. And you may be a person here and you're attracted to the same sex. You may say, well, I have an attraction. So why would God give me that attraction if it's not God? You may be attracted and you have to submit that attraction to God. I have, I have family who struggle with this, my own personal family. Like I, I, have, I have people that I know who absolutely are Christians. I know pastors who are attracted to people of the same sex and they have to submit that attraction to God and say, I cannot act on that. I cannot go down that path because my savior says I can't. As much as I'm, see, you are not a victim to your attractions. And either you embrace that lie that the world is selling of compassion through the lie of what they're saying, they're making love their God rather than God is love, or you submit to truth and build a life on truth. And that's the only place you ever find freedom is you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And just as much as we live in a world that wants to recreate you know, what they think their standards are, we have people doing that with finances all the time. They just come up with their own God. They come up with their own way of, of, of how they're gonna love God. They come up with their own way of how they're gonna give to God. I'm just gonna do whatever I wanna do with my money. I'm not gonna listen to God's word about it. I'm not gonna talk to God about it. I don't care what truth says. I'm just gonna do whatever I wanna do because God is love, God is love, God. And they fall down that lie of not building their life on truth, but just building their life on compassion. You've gotta know God's word of truth. And this is where our young people are getting messed up. Our young people are being told that your, the church and your, and your parents and everybody, these people are not loving. They're not full of compassion because they won't embrace this or embrace that. And they're bigoted and all this kind of stuff. And you need to tell your children the truth. You've got to write the word of God on their heart because if you don't talk about it, and you let them, because guess who is talking about it? When they go to school in a week or two, guess who is talking about it? Guess what, it, when, you, when I open up the biology book in the secular school system here, and the very first chapter is gender fluidity, guess who is talking about it? And that's why Proverbs says, whoever speaks first in court appears right. 
So instead of letting them be first to talk about it, how about we be first to talk about it? How about we be first to write the word of God on their hearts and teach them truth and say, look, every single person is sexually broken. Every single person here has desires and for their money and for their body and for all these kind of things and temptations. And everybody has all of these things that wanna pull us left and pull us right, but we cannot surrender to that. We have to surrender to the word of God. You get some out of this today? Come on, you get some out of this today? Come on, give God a praise.